I hope you guys got to be at the missions conference and, and see the presentation. If you didn't, uh, the presentation's on YouTube, so you can go and look at it there anytime. Uh, my, my channel is Missions Beyond Aviation. You can check it out if you'd like. Um, and uh, there's a bunch of videos of our ministry up there. You can check those out. Uh, the presentation is, was just put up there a couple weeks ago, I think. Um, so, so you can you can look at that there if you get, didn't get a chance to see it in the in the conference. Um, but what I want you guys to take away from this is that I I do not feel like I'm suffering serving the Lord. Um, are there times that we suffer? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, one of the times that I felt like I was suffering. Um, and so when I hike, I I have my camera and I have a gimbal and. So I take a bunch of footage and stuff, and and sometimes I just ramble and I talk to Beth because I, I, I know she's going to watch all of the footage that I record, and so I'll just say stuff to her, you know. And uh, she's not there, obviously. She's at the house with the kids, and and <coughs> sometimes I'll say things to her. Sometimes I'll say things just to make her laugh later when she when she one of those times. Um, I'm I'm walking and I can't catch my breath. I I just uh, we 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 left where we live. We live at sea level. I don't know if you knew this or not, but when you go up in elevation, the, the molecules of oxygen are further apart. So when you breathe in the same amount of volume you norm of air you normally breathe in, there's less oxygen uh, per cubic inch or cubic centimeter, however you want to divide it, in your lungs. So you get tired a lot, lot, lot quicker. That's what that means. You go up in elevation, you get tired a lot quicker. So we start our hike at 4,000 plus feet elevation. And, and then we go from there up to 6,400 feet. So when you start at 4,000, you are already at a disadvantage. And so this is the trip where I started with a 56-pound pack. And other people, same exact hike, with up to 250 pounds of, of rice or sugar or beans or anything. Uh, one of the guys that passed us, by the way, on, on the hike, he had... Um, a pedal sewing machine, so a cast iron pedal sewing machine on his back, the legs up in the air, and um, not all of it was cast iron, but most of it. So all the legs and all the lattice work, the whole pedal mechanism, the whole sewing machine, the only part that wasn't uh, cast iron was the lid, was, was had a wooden part, and that part was the one that was on his back. And so that thing had to be close to the 250 pounds. So he's trekking that thing up through the mountains. Cannot, I don't know how he got through some of those places. But so I'm, I'm going up through this, this trail, and, I, uh, and I'm telling Beth and, and, or recording something for video, and then I say, um, yeah, so uh, struggling here to make it up this, this trail. I'm questioning my life decisions that have led me to this point. And because <laughs> it was really really hard so much to the point where I, I ended up stopping sitting on the side of the trail and I'm like guys I can't do this like the, the pack's too heavy I, I, I'm a wuss pansy pony whatever you want I'm out of shape <laughs> all the above are true um, but I, I can't and I had to swallow my pride that was really hard um, I think it's hard for anybody to swallow their pride but but yeah it was really hard and and so the pastor goes to a house, uh, one of the members of the church, and, and he speaks Mwabere, and 
and uh, a 14-year-old boy comes out. And I'm like, oh, I have to humiliate me even more. I mean, not a man, 14-year-old boy comes out. And he grabs the pack, you know, it's got suspension straps and the, the waist strap and all this kind of stuff. And he grabs it and he just throws it over his shoulder like this. And he just walks away. And we never saw him again until the highest point. He took my pack to the highest point, to the 6,400 uh, elevation. And then from there, I took it the west of the way down. But from there, I got to walk all the way to the, to the, to the top. And it was still hard with no, with no weights, with no um, pack or anything, with no load. It was still hard. And so, I mean, yeah, there's times that, that, that we suffer. It's hard. But I absolutely love my job. I get to uh, wake up every morning and do what I love. David Ramsey teaches um, a Financial Peace University course. That's what it's called. And, um, and he says that the way you should live your life is you should ask yourself, if money wasn't a problem, wasn't an object, like you didn't have, not that you're a billionaire, okay? Not that you can just throw money away. No, no, no. Just take money out of the equation for a second. You don't have to worry about money. What would you do? Most of us would be like, <laughs> watch TV. Yeah, you'd do that for two weeks. And then you'd be like, all right, I'm bored. I've seen everything. I've finished on Netflix. I've finished everything on Wahoo. Uh, well, what's, what's next? YouTube's boring now. You'd be like, what's next? And then you'd, you'd want to do something. You'd, you'd want your life, I would hope, you would want your life to count for something. You don't want to spend the rest of your life sitting on your sofa. And, and you need to ask yourself what that is. What do you want to spend your life doing? What do you want your life to count for? And then get up and go do that. And then money will take care of itself. That's what Dave Ramsey says. And uh, I did not get into missions because I wanted to make money. That was so, n it's the wrong profession for wanting to make money. But I tell you what, I mean, we do have to raise money. We do have to worry about where the funds come from and all that kind of stuff. But, um, but they're God's projects. And like right now, we need to build a runway. We need to build a hangar. And our airplane is here in Westlaco, and we can't take it down there until that gets done. And I could be all worried about, oh, where that money's going to come from, and, and oh, let me call this pastor and see if he'll give me some, and, 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 and I could fret every day, and I'm like, oh, oh I got to, eh. but I, I, I shouldn't, because it's not my airplane, it's God's, it's not my runway, it's God's, and hey, if he wants his airplane to be used in Panama, he's going to make it happen, you know what I'm saying, so, so even in our profession, you have to just be, you know what? God's going to take care of the money. I need to do what he called me to do. Now, I can't stay home just scratching my belly button hoping for God to drop money out of the sky. No, I need to get up and get busy and do stuff. But I want you guys to know that serving God is not, well, okay, Lord, if you want me to suffer for the rest of my life, I'll, su I'll serve you. No, no. God's will is fun. God's working for God is is rewarding. It's satisfying. I am not suffering. I live five miles from the beach, and I live in uh, in, in uh, such a unique place with with really neat 
people and cultures, and we have the best pizza ever that I've ever tried there at the, uh, at the little pizza place. There's a real Italian guy from Italy that makes it there, and um, uh, the Italian ice cream, the guy's from Italy as well, and it is the absolute best, and, and I mean, we're not suffering. Now, there's not a ton of variety, but what's there is fantastic. And, and we, God didn't have to put those things f- there for us, but he did. And it's really great. And I really think that God allowed those things to be there so that we could have that little nicety. God gives us what we need and sometimes what we want, too. And so that's really neat. So if you guys are considering serving God, don't go away from this thinking, okay, God, I'll suffer for the rest of my life. I'll, I'll serve you. Because that's not the way it is. Uh, before I get into a message, I want to I uh, make sure everybody's on the same page. Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us. That is not in Psalms. That is in, uh, in 1 John 3, 1. Okay? Just in case, 1 John 3, 1. All right? Just, just wanted to make sure we all on the same page, reading out of the same Bible. Okay? 1 John 3, 1. Um, <coughs> so, when I want to preach to you guys, hey, what, when do we end? I'm just talking. It's 8.05. 8.15? Oh, my word. Wow. I got to talk fast. 8.20? 8.21. Sweet. All right. This is my pilot's license. I want to I teach you guys a couple things about um, our spiritual life by teaching you some things about pilot's license. So, pilot's license has pictures of two guys on it, and neither one of them are me. <laughs> it's a Wright Brothers. And um, it also has a picture of an airplane, and it's not my airplane either. Um, so uh, the pilot's license is unique, as is uh, different to other licenses. It has no expiration date. It never expires. Once I'm a pilot, I'm always a pilot. I will be a pilot till the day I die, even if I never, ever, ever fly again. Isn't that great that salvation's the same way? Isn't that neat? Now, to be fair, now, Hebrews 5.9 says, be, uh, and being made perfect, he made, he became, sorry, and being made perfect, he became the author of eternal salvation unto all that obey him. Okay? That's Hebrews 5.9. Um, your salvation, once you get it, saved for the rest of your life. Now, I want us to be careful. If we become a pilot, if I become a pilot, hey, uh, if I become a pilot, Julia came in, and, um, and I never, ever fly again after the day that I get my pilot's license, do you guys think I would be a good pilot 15 years later? I wouldn't fly with me. I wouldn't. Because the day I got my pilot's license, yeah, I knew, I knew what to do and everything, but I had very little experience. And I, and I barely knew enough to get my pilot's license, and I had, I had very little real-world experience. Now, I, from that point, I needed to continue working and continue getting better. And when I talked to air traffic control, I needed to tell them, hey, low-time pilot, so speak slowly for me and, and help me out and, and teach me a little bit. And, um, and you know, that's the same way it is in the spiritual walk. In our spiritual walk, um, we cannot expect to get saved 
and then never read our Bible, never pray, never go to church, never grow, just, hey, I'm saved, and, and I'm good. That is true. You're saved. There's nothing anybody can do, not even Satan, to change that fact. You're secure. You're going to heaven. But that would not be a good Christian. You will not be proud of your works when you get to heaven. You are not honoring God. You are not saved just so you can go to heaven. You're saved for God's glory. If you were just saved to go to heaven, then God would save you, pull you out of, out of this world, and take you to heaven if that was the purpose of salvation. But no, God saves you and he leaves you here. Why? Because there's something for you to do. That's glorify him. How do you glorify him? In every single way possible, you glorify him by living in a holy way. That means reading your Bible. That means praying. That means uh, 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 spending time in the word. That means going to church. That means singing. That's what that means. It, all of those. Not one of them. Not some of them. All of them. You, you need to live every day glorifying God. And glorifying God is, is a very broad uh, set of, of things. It's not any one thing. Okay? So your, our, our pilot's license is is forever and salvation is forever okay however in order to fly you cannot just get your pilot's license not fly for 15 years and then come to the airport hey i'm a pilot give me an airplane they'll rent you an airplane well they shouldn't but they might rent you an airplane and and you go and, and you'll kill yourself okay um, because you you haven't you haven't done these two things two things you have to do before you're legal to fly, um, is you have to have a medical exam. So a doctor examines you physically. Uh, seriously, one of the things they have you do is walk on your heels. So if you can walk on your heels, you have enough balancing capability in your brain and your inner ear to be able to fly once your body comes off of the earth. That's what they're testing. Um, they also check your heart. They check you for drugs. Um, they, they, they ask you a bunch of questions about your history and it's, and it's in your best interest for you to be honest. Um, so have you been passing out or anything like that? Obviously flying, you wouldn't want to be passing out because you'll, you'll crash in a couple seconds, you know, that'd, that'd be really bad and you would certainly die. Um, so they ask you all these things and, and a doctor has to give you a medical certificate. Now a medical certificate is, is, is there's lots of different levels. I'll just talk to you about the, 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 the broadest one at the bottom and I'll mention the, the one at the top, and there's several in between. So for a private pilot, which is what I am, I'm not flying anybody for hire, or, or I'm not flying for American, or I'm not flying for FedEx either. I'm not flying in a commercial capacity. Um, below the age of 40, it lasts for five years because guys below 40 typically don't die of a heart attack. And since I'm not flying large commercial jets, I don't have the lives of, a, of lots of people in my hands. Typically, it's... One, two, three, max four people, mine and three others. Typically, those are the small aircraft. So, so th that's the one. That's the where, where the category I'm in, in, in the third class. Now, the first class is the American Airlines captain um, and, and those guys, all of the guys who fly for hire and they fly those really big jets with all of the people in them to Disney World and stuff like that. Those guys... They have a first class, and they have to have a whole nother set of things, blood work and EKGs and all that kind of stuff, 
done every six months, regardless of their age. And so those are the two, the two ends of the spectrum. So you have to have your medical and your, um, that's, that's the one. And, and you also have to have a, a biannual flight review, now called a flight review, only a flight review. So the flight review is a test that you meet with an instructor and there's, there's two requirements to the flight review. You have to have an hour of, of conversation with the, uh, the instructor that he will ask you questions about rules, regulations, laws, also update you on any new laws and regulations. Like now, something that I just learned in my, annual, in my biannual flight review in Ohio was now you can't fly within 60 miles of Washington, D.C. Within 60 miles of Washington, D.C., you have to have a special endorsement on your license that you've been specifically trained to fly in that airspace because the White House and so they don't want you killing the president, obviously, so, uh, or anybody else. So there, there's all these regulations around that area, and so uh, that's what you need to do. And um <coughs> so that's one law that changed that I needed to learn. And, um, and the, the other thing is you need to go fly with the guy. So it's not all head knowledge. You have to show the instructor that you can do it. You have to show the instructor that, Yes, you know how to take off, and you know how to do steep turns, and you know how to go up, and you go, know how to go down. You know how to talk on the radio. You remember that. And, and you know how to, to bring the airplane and land it, navigate to the airport and land it at the, air, at the airport safely. You have to demonstrate those things. Once you do that, he signs off your book, and you're good. Now, the thing is, is that they used to do it for two years. <coughs> I'm sorry, they used to call it a biannual, which meant it was good for two years. But people were going and they were like, okay, I did my biannual, and they wouldn't fly for two years. <coughs> because they were like, oh, I've done my thing, I'm good, I don't have to do anymore, and, and I'm, I, I'm, I'm done. I've done my thing. You know, people at church do the same thing. People at church do the same thing. Sometimes they'll come to church and they'll be like, oh, I, I went to church on Sunday. I, I, I did my religious thing. I'm, I'm done. I'm good. And, and I'm good for the rest of the week. That's not how we should live. Pilots shouldn't live to where they just do their biannual flight review. And so the FAA changed it. Now it's not biannual. It's, it's just called a flight review. And you can do a flight review anytime you want. They want to change that mindset. I want us to have a different mindset about our Christian walk. I want us to think about our Christian walk as is something that we do every day. It's not, religion is not something you do on Sunday, okay? Christianity is who you are. So you're a Christian, whether you're at church wearing a suit or whether you're at work in long sleeve shirt or, or whatever you wear at work, okay? Um, you're a Christian all the time. Whether you're at school playing sports, you need to act like a Christian. Whether you're taking a test, you need to not cheat because Christians don't cheat. Because it's a sin, right? Not because you might get caught or, or it might affect your grade. Hey, hey, stop, stop elbowing each other, okay? Uh, somebody's cheating. I know somebody's cheating. <laughs> um, so you need to not cheat at school because that's the right thing to do. It's a, sin, it's a sin to cheat, so don't do it. You see what I'm saying? You, you do those things because we're Christians. We need to live as Christians do. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 3 says, How... Shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation? 
which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed to us by them that heard them. That first part says, how shall we escape if we neglect such great salvation? Guys, how in the world can we put a price on salvation, right? Wow, eternal life. I mean, the, the, the richest person in the world can't buy a single more day of life on this earth. Now imagine being able to purchase eternal life in heaven. Priceless. Absolutely priceless. Not all the riches in all the universe could possibly pay for, for one of us to do that. Yet, we all get that. So, we've give, been given this eternal life, this eternal salvation, and, and yet, we live our lives like it's no great big deal. And it is. It's a stinking honking big deal. We should live that way. We are joint heirs with Jesus Christ. Mind blown. It, it needs to blow our minds. It needs to impress us. We need to live like that. Not just like, hey, I'm going to do my religious thing. I'm going I'm to punch my card in and I'm going to do what needs to be done, what, what it's expected of me, but, um, but do it every day. Um, for example, Joshua Joshua 1.8. Somebody know that by heart? If you do, speak up. Joshua 1.8. Apparently not. This book of the law shall not depart out of my mouth, but thou shalt meditate Therein, day and night, and that thou mayest observe to do according to all the things written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. Guys, is that not what we want in our life? Right? I don't know about you, but I want good success. I do. I'm in the ministry. I want to be successful. My greatest fear is to fail. I want to be successful, not by this world's measure, but I do want to be successful. And this is how we do it. Seriously, brother, by memorizing scripture? That's what the Bible says. It says live by the book. It says memorize it. Keep it in your mind. Think about it all the time. Keep it in your heart. Live by it. And that's how you'll be successful. That's what I'm telling you guys. Having a pilot's license, you don't just get it and then you're a pilot forever and you can fly anytime you want and it's all good. No, you got to maintain it. You got to maintain the knowledge. You got to maintain the ability. Being a Christian, it's not just, hey, I, I, I got my ticket to heaven. I'm good. Let's go. I can live my life now, whatever I want, because I'm going to heaven. Uh-uh. You need to guard that salvation you need to keep it you need to treasure it you need to live it every day and be excited about it and tell others about it and live a holy life let the scripture dictate what you do in in every day of life why did you choose to be a doctor to make a lot of money stupid decision the bad idea bad idea a lot of money is going to take you nowhere good oh god told you to be a doctor great one of the greatest surgeons in history, I forget his name, one of the greatest surgeons in history, on the day that he graduated, he prayed. He prayed at his graduation. He said, God, give me no success that doesn't draw me closer to you. And God made him one of the greatest surgeons in the world in his time. 
Why? Yeah, that was his true, his heart was, God, if, if success brings me closer to you, then give me that. But don't give me any success in this world that doesn't draw me closer to you. And that's what I'm trying to, to convey to you, that serving God can be this really exciting thing. We need to allow the scripture to live in us and be a part of us every single day. And it is an awesome, awesome experience.